Stoke the last coals in the fire, for the wind blows chill. Much now resides beneath the ash, the world is old and groaning. The ruins of ancient peoples in ancient days and conquerors from beyond the stars litter the cracked and barren wasteland. Right, welcome back to the Jaunty Mantis. This is a podcast full of curious questions for creative gamers, or is it creative questions for curious gamers? I don't remember. I'm your co-host Maddie, and with me is Jesse, the other guy. The other guy. This is a podcast about what tabletop role-playing games or so, and other nerd garbage. And we are in the midst of season two. And Jesse, what are we doing for season two? creations without number what is creations without number uh we this season we kicked it off by talking about genre and then we just really wanted to kind of explore what it's like to do world building and creation in different genres of role playing with some of the tools that are available uh to people in this hobby and one of those tools we're relying on a lot is the works of kevin crawford of signed nominee publishing who has worlds without number a weird fantasy game stars without number a sci-fi game and cities without number a cyberpunk game and also wolves of god the game where you're seventh century anglo-saxons uh adventuring <laughs> um bonus episode idea we create a minster using the rules from <laughs> which is like a church using the rules from wolves of god I love it. I love it. Yeah, this is uh, this is season two is devoted to the creative process. And Jesse and I had the bright idea to uh, share ours with our audience. Uh, we're big be believers in this podcast being a tool and a resource for, you know, other gamers and game masters, or at least a place where you can find people who think uh, similarly to you and enjoy our, the weirdness and specialness of our hobby. And we're going to kind of have a little bit of a precursor to this conversation that, you know, Jesse and I, we've been doing this for a long time. We vibe with each other very well. That's why we're best friends amongst many other reasons. And d please do not be intimidated by our creative process. It's meant it's just a source of inspiration or at least, um, you know, a preview into a way you could design a setting. And so we are going to use these awesome tools that Kevin Crawford has created. And as we've been saying in every episode, support this guy, buy his stuff. Yeah. Like give him motivation to keep making more. Yes. We want more. So let's, let's show him that we want more. <laughs> <laughs> there are free versions of all the books that we'll be featuring in the uh, numbers series, but, and, and feel free to go check them out. Certainly. Uh, but also, uh, if you like what you see, go get the paid version, you know? Yeah, on drive through RPG. That's that's where I... Well, I got all mine through Kickstarters. But if I was buying one, I'd mm -hmm. do it through drive through RPG. Yeah. The largest provider of PDO. Oh, they don't sponsor us. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Yep. All right. So where... Okay, give us a brief rundown of how we got here. 
So um, we are in the middle of our fantasy creation arc. And so we were using Worlds Without Number. And in our last episode, which was a week ago, dear listener, if you're listening on a weekly basis, we created the world of Beneath. Mm-hmm. All uh, all triggering from the idea that one of the questions was, is there anything weird about physics or the laws <laughs> of the universe? And we kind of went with a big swing on that of there's three moons, one of them is stationary, and it's just a massive skull that faces the world, staring down at it all the time. Correct. Matt yeah. talked a little bit about how this is an afterlife uh, of a failed <laughs> heroic uh, adventure against a big bad evil guy who won, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. maybe the prophecy was incomplete. Correct. We established that there is a large Imperium that uh, makes travel between distant places hard, and that was the Pax Osseus. The note I have is, Mobile Kingdom literally shaped from the bones of their enemies. They are currently self-destructing under a lack of enemies to fight. Mm -hmm. Which is all part of the prophecy. mm Mm-hmm. And then we created a region called the Marrow Fells with a couple geographical features of note. The Desert of Teeth, which is a very descriptive name. <laughs> the Shield Hills, the Bile Mount, the Spore Wood, Dryadmorn Forest, and the Plowvex Plains. And then we created up some people that I think live near the Shield Hills. Mm-hmm. Uh because they're mining there and they have some conflict. This was the kingdom of Isuric Mot. Mm-hmm. They were magically created or shaped. I am remembering this now. Yeah. Like the gods are just like, yeah, I don't like the people who live there. We're just going to make some new people. Yeah. We're just going to make new ones. Do, do you remember what's interesting or weird about these people? They have um, tattoos or scars on their heads. They have, they don't have any hair. Yeah. And they're and born they're, with them. They're born with them, and uh, there—I don't know if we brought this up last time, uh, but there is a there's a uh, societal um, schism about who is original and who is was made by the gods. Is is what I'm thinking. I don't know if we discussed that last time, but I think that like th- there could be a whole group of them that are like they they're convinced that they found out who the real ones are and who are descended from the ones that were made up. Well, since we're going to start off today with religion, that's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So this will be part two of the fantasy uh, project. And part three, we will be doing what, Jesse? Uh, in part three, we will be actually trying to create uh, some stats uh, mm-hmm. and a little bit of a description for those race in potentially a couple different RPG systems. Yeah. So what we wanted to do is not just create a setting for cyberpunk fantasy and sci-fi. We also wanted to show how to use what you create. And so for cyberpunk, we created an, uh, like a first adventure. And for this book, we're like coming up with playable races. Uh, and, and, and there'll be a third component for our sci-fi one as well. Yep. So that's the backstory. If you didn't uh catch that one that would be episode five of season two and (laughs) And if uh, you have been listening if you've been binging up to this point i'm sorry that you have to keep listening to this over and over and over again (laughs) so let's get started all right 
religion construction. We're going to start off, if you're following along at home, uh, this is on page 140 of Worlds Without Number. And the first question is, who leads the faith? Who leads the faith? And there's a table. And I need to roll 1d8 on this table. And I got a six. A six. There is no official clergy. Some believers may take up special roles or provide teaching, but they are not qualitatively different from others, unless, <laughs> unless they're from what? those guys that aren't the ones made by the gods. <laughs> have you have you read the Invincible comic or seen the Invincible show? I watched season one of that. Okay, the, the Muller brothers, the big muscle-bound blue guys, who can't figure out which one of them is a clone. They're clones of each other in, in in respects. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. I kind of envision it that way, where the people in this society are eternally in conflict about who's from the original people and who's from like the replacement people. And I feel like this plays a lot into it, where there's no official clergy because nobody can gain enough of a, of a, of a standing in this culture without being questioned as to their authenticity. And because there's the copies or the new versions are so good, like such good replications of the originals that nobody, nobody has an actual way to prove this. It's all in their heads. It's all faith-based. Yes. Okay. I can dig. All right. Then what's next? Uh, there's one thing that I was thinking about this. Um, <clears throat> that uh i'm trying to find the name of it there was an episode <clears throat> a couple years ago of hardcore history that was like a one-off like a, a blitz episode i think it was a one-off but it was about <clears throat> this group of protestants in germany who like decided to throw out the church and take over a city like all based on the idea that everyone could interpret the bible um and it was like a sort of like commune, everybody's equal, everybody can interpret the Bible sort of thing. I'm not actually trying to do a Dan Carlin. My voice is just getting scratchy. So, <laughs> you know, it. sorry for the listeners at home. But again, imagine, I mean, just imagine you're there on that battlefield. Uh, so, yeah, what if it's like that? Like, mm -hmm. What if they recently threw away the scripture? And this is like a Protestant. Everyone can interpret the texts and the will of God. Yeah. And so now it's like a hundred little fanatical cults popping up. Yeah. Each slightly different than the others. Right. And the whole thing about who's a fake. I'm just thinking like the highest compliment in the society is that guy over there. He's a real one. <laughs> he's one he's of a real ones. one, that guy. Yeah, that is a real... Uh, that that has a real America kind of vibe to it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. What is the origin of the God? Well, we will uh, roll 1d12 and find out. I got a two. A two. It's a legendary historical hero or teacher. Oh, wow. Didn't the all first the of the created. Didn't all the legendary heroes die, though, trying to fight the skull in the sky or the great evil or... I think that was the people of the Shield Hills. Mm, right, right. Okay. Well, then where did this legendary hero come from? 
he's the first of the created. Oh, oh, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's the one, he's the one who was created first and learned at the feet of their creator and then passed on the teachings of wisdom and civilization and whatnot to the other created who came later, some of whom were real and some who were not. (laughs) Yeah. This is some evil shit. (laughs) You know, it's a religion. Oops. (laughs) All right. We ready for the next part? Yeah. Uh, Why does this faith matter? It matters because number two. It provides magical favors to the faithful. Wow. So if you think about the cultural carrots and sticks, (laughs) magical favors to the faithful. I mean, again, just. So what kind of magical favors are we talking about, Dan Carlin? Uh, magical favors, eyebrow wiggle. No, I don't know. This is an audio podcast. That's why I said eyebrow wiggle to indicate what I was doing. Oh, man. Uh, I don't know. You got anything for this? Provides magical favors to the faithful. Well, with all these disparate factions of this idea, how do we determine what the faithful actually is? Like, what does it mean to be the faithful? What? Okay. This, this may be too on the nose, right? Sure. But with, with the mining, these people, they've been living next to the taint and the ancient remnants of the shield Hills for so long. What if some people just, we also have the power of the fields sprouting weapons. Mm-hmm. that we talked about last time mm-hmm. what if some people just spontaneously develop the ability to call forth specific things like shields or spears or weapons from the ground like okay. you can find them sticking out but these people can actually the magical favor is they call forth a blade or a shield for you gotcha yeah i like it and until fairly recently this was pretty well controlled or restricted but something has changed and now all kinds of people are finding they can do it and that's the mark of divinity that's the gift of arming yourself for the hunt or to protect your city that was given by the first created love it so they can all talk to god everyone who can do this (laughs) that works for me i like it but what does this faith want Ooh, what do they want? To roll a d12. And I got a 12. Roll again. Stop a rival from doing that. That's perfect. 10. Perform a tremendously expensive rite. Interesting. Well, there is that cult in the Shield Hills. You tell me more. Well, we determined there was like a religious cult over there who like worship the ghosts of their ancestors who are the ones who laid down their shields waiting for the time to come again. I view the the tattoo blood marked people that from the the nation we created as being kind of just opportunists mm. who are starting to be affected by the place where they are opportuning, as right. it were. These right. are not the great champions. Maybe you know, or the last ones to resist the will of the, the skull. Um, okay. So the faith wants 
to stop the rivals from performing a tremendously expensive rite. How is it expensive? I mean, the obvious answer for beneath to me is the cost in lives and human sacrifice. (laughs) (laughs) So then this other portion of the society who believes it is their uh, a right of their heritage to take up the arms of their ancestors and continue the holy war essentially uh to to finish out the prophecy um they're going to perform that that's part of the expensive right is what you're saying is the cost that that will take on the, the toll it will take on their society well i was thinking like that cult in the shield hills are an entirely different people mm-hmm. and they're the ones who want to do this right right but I mean, yeah. I, I don't, I don't know if we want to make it economic, but in a sense, if the right's successful, there won't be a shield Hills anymore. Okay. That makes sense. And that would be bad. How would you know who can talk to God if there's no shields to call forth from the ground? Yeah, that's true. I mean, and these weapons connect them with their ancestors which is a higher form of assumed divinity, right? Yeah. Or at least a, a an assumed divinity that has more depth to it. That sounds like something a replicant would say. <laughs> no, no, I'm real. <laughs> you sound like something a replicant. Oh, I'm an original. All right, my family was born here. I wasn't made by a god to look like uh, me. This is the thing that it took me years of DMing to get over uh, doing, and I wish I would have done it much sooner because I'm always like, it has to be unique. It has to be my idea. You got this idea from what are those guys on Invincible called? The Mahler Brothers or something? The Mahler Brothers from Invincible, and now we're just running with it, and it's great. Yeah, that's such a great point. Like, look, you know, as a, I consider myself to be a creative person and I understand the boundaries of ripping off other people's stuff or what that looks like or, you know, but in the, and how you should try to be original and authentic. Don't worry about that when you're doing a role-playing game, do the opposite of that. Don't try to have like an amazing original concept or idea when it comes to the story of your game. And to kind of piggyback on what Jesse just said, I also learned this because I also wanted to try to do something original and I just kept finding out I wasn't. And if you do something that, that you can pull from other things and people recognize it, just own it. Cause that's happened to me. I've, I, I don't remember what it was. It was a long time ago in my gaming career where somebody was like, Oh, you got that from this. And I was like ashamed and I wish I could go back in time and, and tell my younger self, like, don't be ashamed for that. Tell that person, yeah, that's right. I pulled it from that. Let like, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, if you want to just own it, you know, if you want to, if you want to do your own version of whatever X is that's out in the storytelling medium, just do it. Just own it. Um, ideas that other people are familiar with in our storytelling culture will make your game better because it resonates with them. There's less work required to to do the story of your game. That's this is slightly tangential to that, but like it's one of the complaints about sci-fi games I've heard and I can't remember which of the gaming 
podcasts I've heard. I think maybe Smart Party. Uh, what does a Smart Party do? Um, or what would the Smart Party do? But they said one of the problems with sci-fi games that are unique IPs is you don't know what the ships look like. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> you play so a Star true. Trek game. Yeah. You know what the ships look like. Yeah. You, That's you know, such a great point. <laughs> like you, Star Wars, it's an X-Wing. Oh, I know exactly what that looks like. No right. line art drawing. Mm-hmm. Isn't that so going to do the same thing? Oh my God. That's so true. I'm thinking of like generic sci-fi role-playing game systems, like D20 Modern's version of a sci-fi, their sci-fi D20 future, I think it was called. And you're like, it, you know, you, I, I, I go into the books looking, what do the ships look like? What do the vehicles look like? Like, and it, it, it just not, doesn't make a very good impression. And, you know, so I when will you say rely on that other stuff that go ahead. This is again a tangent. Sorry, sorry to get off topic. Uh, but hey, it's it's you know my podcast, so yeah, whatever you want. Uh, that was to the listeners. No, I'm never sorry to talk about game stuff with you. Um, I think that may actually just be an art quality issue. Oh, right, that makes sense. Because thinking about that, and then thinking about you know my riffs obsession, like I know, <laughs> I know what a glitter boy looks like. Mm -hmm. You know. Like, I know what these things look like and what they do. Um, so, I mean, I was looking through the riffs book last night and you come across the coalition skeletons and I'm like, Oh, these are so cool looking. Like that's so clever to make them look like terminators, but like thin skeletal terminators, you know what I mean? Like it, it's brilliant. It's a brilliant idea to be like, this looks like something that you know, because you're a nerd. Yep. You know? So don't shy away from it. Embrace it. You know, our we have a a society of Mueller brothers, <laughs> or whatever they're who called. Wants, who wants to stop those religious fanatics in the Shield Hills from sacrificing enough of their own people or the miners they've been capturing to uh, awaken their ancestors? What are the clergy like, though? That's a question I, I I'm well, wanting we will to know. Answer that with a D okay. eight, and we got a four. Four sorcerers who serve the god as part of their magical studies or effort. Interesting. Can we work with that one? I my initial reaction is I don't like it. Uh, yeah, I my initial reaction is that as well because it goes back to what we originally rolled as far as who leads the faith. Um, and I'm well, trying to go ahead. If you go with the five E conception of a sorcerer as a wizard whose magic is in the blood and it's untrained. Mm hmm. Mm. Let's re-roll it. All right. Two. Chosen from specific bloodlines or groups and oh. trained to serve the faithful. That's that's much better. Specific bloodlines in a society that cannot that that has trouble differentiating between the originals and the replicants. Mm hmm. Perfect. Okay. See what a reroll can do for you, listener. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is their societal function? We'll find that out with a d20 roll. I got a four. Four. Who the first created is a devil figure that must be placated. Wow, Lulgru is mighty beneath the waves. Wow. <laughs> 
Yeah, man. So it's a devil figure that must be placated. How does that work? For our imagine any religion in a world where the giant skull staring at you, not turning to like sacrificing to avert its ill gaze. Oh, that's right. I forgot it's really weird and dark. So that's kind of perfect. That of course it's a devil that must be placated. This is like a weird hellish afterworld. You have to pay for the services of teaching you the ways of civilization. Because he said he'd come back and check. (laughs) And if you hadn't mastered it, he'd wipe you all out. (laughs) (laughs) No one in the society is quite sure they've mastered civilization yet. (laughs) Yeah. I dig it. All right. Well, what is the God's portfolio? Ooh. 20 is the human concern wisdom and then 16 is the natural principle untamed nature do you remember how we determined that like their societal core values are all about like being charming mm-hmm. yeah that's right like values they esteem are leadership and charisma in the group mm-hmm. beauty and seductive charm Hmm. Well, then that's perfect for the untamed nature. Yeah, they're the duality of their god. There's the part they've got down, which is this, but the wisdom part, nah, not so much. And that's why it has to be, it has to be kept fed and sleepy. <laughs> all right, all right. Or the terrible you. dream of the skull moon that squats foully in the place of their god, who it ate in his sleep must be placated you know there is this quality in our own world in the mythologies and religions of our own world what the devil-like creature is less of is less of a like a, a malign evil and more of like a a gluttonous trickster type character like a feet of cloven hoof horned devil you know, that it has a phallic sexual nature that is overindulgent. You know what I mean? The temptation part of the devil, I guess I should say. Yeah. Um, and and I think that works with, you know, the, the tenets of the society. Cool. All right. For the faith strictures, another D20. Yep. Got a 15. Oh, this is so great with the idea of like this explosion of lay clerics. Hide the faith's inner teachings from outsiders. They have <laughs> failed at this. Failed miserably. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's perfect. I I love, I feel like I've said this before, I guess again, I love the way this creates all of this tension. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because that tension creates people who want things done yep which is prompts for adventures yeah yeah it's very cleverly creating the necessary notes for your adventure the problems the obstacles the tension the difficulties all right ready to make a temple yeah it's a one roll so we need uh one of each dice a d6 d8 d10 
D12, a D20, and a D4. We start with the D4? Yep. Roll them all. How big is the temple? I got a four. Unusually large or grand for its site. This this should be because they keep making separate installments of it and then connect them because there's all these frac there's this fractured nature of their religion. And then because of like loose alliances or mistrust, like they have to come back together and separate at various points. So the temple is like almost the size of the whole city. The whole city is basically the temple with key structures that are connected or have been blocked off over time. So there's like this veritable labyrinth or maze underneath the city that connects various parts of like the temple. Like the temple is the city. Yeah. People keep creating towers or structures. I'm getting a, I don't think we should describe it as having this architecture, but I'm getting a real Angkor Wat vibe. Oh, okay. But like Angkor Wat is a working temple. For the listeners, what is Angkor Wat? Uh, Angkor Wat is uh, the biggest temple in a city of temples that uh, is in Cambodia. And the only buildings that were allowed to be built out of stone were temples. Mm -hmm. And when the society collapsed, uh, they left a bunch of temples in the jungle. Um, And the people of Cambodia have cleared that out so you can visit it. And so there's these cool clusters of towers and stone temples often with invisibility of each other. And uh, they sort of, because of the, the damage of time and the moss on them, you'll see like a smiling Buddha face, but covered in like this lichen and everything kind of resembles like you ever make, what did you, did you have a name for it when you'd go to the beach and get real wet sand in your hand and then like drip a tower out of it? No, I don't think we ever had a name for it, but I know what you mean. Yeah. I'm thinking like, it looks like that. Okay. Like a very bio-organic sort of like. Like a hive almost. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Great call. Uh, Number three for our D6. What do the locals think of it? They accept it as a tolerable shrine. <laughs> they have no choice. Yeah, they live in it. <laughs> what can you do? That's just the city. <laughs> That's right. Uh, who is in charge there? We got a six. A grizzled and pragmatic leader. Look, at the end of the day, we're all one people. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm thinking of the uh, the... Sly Flourish, Lazy DM Guide, the thing about NPCs, like pick a dude from a movie or media. When it said a grizzled and pragmatic leader, I was like, what if you just model him off Dan Carlin? (laughs) (laughs) I'm starting to sense a theme here. I like it. But I like Dan Carlin. I don't know. Um, No, that works. No, I mean, yeah, that's silly. Uh, I like it, but it's silly. But silly works. They have a grizzled pragmatic leader. Oh, and the pragmatic thing is like, we could have this holy war, you know, with all these people that are suddenly finding themselves to have the power we've tried so hard to keep secret. They're just being born with it. We could have a holy war or we could just say, yes, you are part of the brotherhood of faith too, maybe. Uh, (laughs) 
yeah, they've kind of democratized the faith, right? Yeah. That's what you were describing earlier. Or maybe he's like, I can't stop this. Right. And so trying we just have to, to and embrace failing it. would lose my position. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What particular help can it provide? And I got a two. They're unusually flush with cash. <laughs> okay. Why? Is it because they accept the way things are? It's become quite lucrative. Like, yeah. Are you like, building a, an army? Are you building a military force? You need some weapons? We mm -hmm. can get them for you. Yeah. Like this grizzled and pragmatic person is like, look, we just have to embrace this. What do you need? How can I get, you know, like, let's, let's talk about how, like, I can get it for you, you know? Yep. Yep. It's, it's worked out very well for them. It's a, it's a weird, like, pseudo way of of bringing people together by just attacking the problems pragmatically it's like but i think go ahead i think too one of the things we i think we talked about last time is like it's sort of the pax the osseous pax mm -hmm. is or the pax osseous is not into people getting weapons out of the ground mm -hmm. like uh but it's been it's been like two generations since an envoy of the packs came to collect the tithe mm -hmm. uh like people like yeah they're busy they're not coming back mm -hmm. maybe that's true i hope it's true for these people mm -hmm. yeah i mean that society is self-destructing the packs mm -hmm. packs osseous is self-destructing the warlords are turning on each other be a shame if they found someone who broke pack law <laughs> that you know they could then go fight yeah, it'd be, it'd be a real shame if they found a common enemy, a, a sizable threat that they could all like stop in fighting and and, and be like, oh, wait a minute. Wait, wait, right, 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 right. Let's go kill them instead. Wait, 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 wait. Guys, guys, guys. Do you remember when this was fun? Because those guys <laughs> over there. <laughs> Do you remember when this was fun? Remember it was just all about like, you know, like liches and bones, dude. Just liches and bones. <laughs> remember when it was about like senseless murder but like the the murdering them man not us yeah that's not a murder it's a culling <laughs> that's right all right uh what problems does it have number two number two the locals expect a miracle it can't oh i love that why do you love it i go ahead oh it just creates more doubt and like like maybe there's a way to do the miracle but uh the church doesn't have it and you'd have mm -hmm. to travel into the you know shield hills where those crazy cultist dudes are to get the thing we'd need to do the miracle hey you there adventurers <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's almost like it's the setup for an adventure i know all right what's the miracle um is that a table we can roll on <laughs> no unless it's later in the book where i haven't seen it uh the, i mean we the big problem we had is they're losing farmland yeah well yeah that's they have weapons and and armor coming out of the ground from like the the like the old battlefields that are still underneath the, the earth i mean the miracle essentially is deliverance to the end of the prophecy right to create like the holy war 
Okay. It's like a, it's like bringing back. I mean, you could go just generic fantasy and be like, it's like all the old heroes are returning. That's the miracle. What do you think about that? Do you think the people know about the prophecy? If they do, they have a really fucked up and skewed version of it because this fractured nature of their religion has changed things to suit. It's like Christianity. <laughs> it's like you know, the Bible's <laughs> been rewritten so many times to suit whoever was in power. But it's the, you know. So I don't like there is definitely like a religious aspect that of this society that is on edge, but I don't see this as a society fundamentally balanced on the knife's edge to fall. Mm -hmm. This is kind of a, a people on the rise. They've got a good thing with resources. They've got some trouble with their fields, you know, converting plowshares to swords instead of the other way around. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. The original concept was to provide a glimmer of hope in an otherwise bleak and dark setting. And so this is a society that should be on the rise. You know, it should it should be able to succeed with generally speaking. Oh, I got it. The miracle they can't provide is knowledge of who's an original and who's a replicant. Oh, yeah, obviously. Shit. How do we overlook that? <laughs> It was like staring us in the face this entire time. We didn't. We got there in the end. Yeah. We didn't overlook it. And so. it was about the friends we made along the way. It was. Particular quirks about the temple? 19. It displaced a former faith, perhaps violently. I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, everything is a former faith. It's got a real star belly sneeches kind of feel to it. <laughs> Okay, let's make a malevolent cult. Maybe this is the remnants of the old faith that was displaced. All right. What page is Here. that on? Page 145. All right. Oh, are we doing a, a big roll? Yep. Yep. All right, here we go. Our D4 came up as a three. How unified is the cult? Tenuously balanced factions cooperate. Okay. Not unlike the primary religion. Yeah. It's all factions all the way down. Okay. And then what general goal do they have? Number one. Glorify their dark God in its vile ways. Perfect. But guys, have you heard about the wisdom of the skull? It's always watching. <laughs> it's like right there. <laughs> you know, I feel a lot safer knowing that somebody's looking out for me. And when I feel afraid, I just look up and see the skull. And in the yawning black emptiness of the sockets of its massive eyes, as it hangs against the starless sky, I know <laughs> the skull loves me and he loves you too. Often I wonder why we live in a bleak void of nothingness. <laughs> it seems like hell. But then I remember that the skull is always watching. 
and that brings me comfort. The skull put us here to forge us into the true people we need to be. And in order to do that, we have to make some sacrifices like you and all your children. So please <laughs> step up onto this altar. <laughs> so true. Uh, all right. Uh, what general goals do they have? Did we do that one? No, yet? we did that. We they just, just want to glorify one. their dark God. And what's so horrible about <laughs> this faith? It's number two. Their hideous appetites of the flesh are sacred. <laughs> Eaters of the dead. Yep. You know why? Because the cult believes that originals eating the originals, the flesh of an original uh, is sacred. What do you think? Either that or yes. eating the flesh of a replicant is sacred because they were created by the divine. Oh, I had an idea. Tell me what you think about this. Okay. When the gods created these new people, they basically just looked at the people that were already living there and just made people like them because they were suited for that terrain. They're just going to make their own ones that were more loyal and could do better. So maybe it's the creator are the ones that are right. The originals are the ones that are bad. Oh, and wow. these are the originals. And they think, they think if they eat the flesh of the created, they'll right. be closer to their original gods Perfect. who, you know, scourge them. Except there's just one problem. They look exactly like each other. No one's really sure who is one of the original people that lived here and who's one of the created because it's been <laughs> centuries. <laughs> That's right. I love it. I think it's brilliant. I love it. How do the clergy enforce their will? They do so with a number nine. Ooh, <laughs> control of an addictive thing they need. Yeah. Cannibalism. Can Ketracel white. <laughs> Get yourself light. <laughs> uh, are they addicted to eating and minced pies? Are they addicted to eating the flesh? Yeah, I think I think our setting is bleak, bleak enough. That... Do we really need another like a, like a separate substance, or do we just like keep doubling down, keep doubling down, keep doubling down? I mean, okay, let's go with cool factor. Their sacred rite is cannibalism. It's generally frowned on. The only way to get some of that sweet meat is at a church service. Or, <laughs> I don't know, they have some kind of like hallucinogenic drug in the incense they burn at temple. Mm -hmm. that, to me, the whole cannibal ones is cooler. <laughs> it is It is cooler, right? But then it's about access, you know? I mean, it's a cult. You know, we don't want to overthink it. Okay. I think I think we have what we need. You know, it doesn't need to be a separate drug. It can be the flesh. We're talking about the flesh of beings created by gods. It's entirely plausible in this fantasy universe that it has an addictive element to it. Okay. Or at least eating it makes you crazy and your like changes your brain chemistry. Yeah. I like it. This is this. I think this is my favorite table. 
And here's why. Any game where there's a lot of cult activity that I've ever wanted to run or or play, right? Uh, any of the Warhammer 40K books, right? Any of those games, there's a whole cult thing. I'm always like, why would somebody join a cult? Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm not talking about like real world cults where like charismatic people prey on loners. I guess, okay, that's actually it. <laughs> but I'm like, why would you want to join this weird secret society like the order of the serpent's eye that's what they call themselves why would you be like these guys seem super cool because it's not like in those settings they can just go around like having meetings at the library like <laughs> would you want to know the truth <laughs> like yeah it's like when you crack open a uh like a, a deity's book for something like dungeons and dragons they're like this is the god of pain and suffering and their followers all gather around to commit acts of pain and suffering and you're like why do why are people why would people be into this like hey you want to join a cult where it's a strict pyramid system and you're on the bottom and we like whip you and beat you until you're like you 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 fall unconscious from the pain you're like yeah i'm into that how do i sign up well i I just thought this was a potluck (laughs) (laughs) yep i just came for like the the spaghetti and meatballs it's spaghetti (laughs) night oh no yeah then you wake up i survived that it's like when i got that tattoo my adrenaline's pumping i'm gonna join these guys forever strangely into it Mm -hmm. what problems does it have it has number six there's a dangerous schism in its ranks which is the setup for an adventure yep we've already got the factionalism so Mm -hmm. it's brewing and specific traits of the cult I mean, you could even take it a step farther by saying there's an aspect of the cult that realizes like how bad this is, that it's self-destructive, right? There's a schism in it. It's trying to save the people in it from going down a disastrous path as well. So we're going to humanize the drug-addicted, flesh-addicted cannibals. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, if it serves the narrative of the adventure. All right. I'm into it. I just see uh, like a plausible adventure path where somebody who is in the cult has gotten out of the cult and has hired the adventurers to like go in and get the rest of their family members, you know, and then the the party has to like, you know, join the cult and get involved with the cult and, you know, get in deep. Like I see like an adventure forming for some reason around that. Okay. Specific traits of the cult. Yep. Number seven. Number seven. They live where normal people couldn't. Yeah. In the vast labyrinth. Yep. Underneath the city. So there's basically like, they're like Morlocks. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Or, chuds (laughs) chuds yeah <laughs> <laughs> yep cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers cool for sure all right what's next um let's go with what's a rural village look like 
heavily defended? Well, let's find out on page 149. Okay. So this is the community section where you can generate communities. Communities are, of course, sites that prompt adventure. We have, well, I'll let you dealer's choice pick on this. We have ruler vi uh, rural villages, major cities, tribes, and exiles. Let's do village. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going to, in Kevin, we trust here. Okay. I'm excited cool. to see what the Kevin Crawford system delivers on a village. Because a village normally seems really simple and basic and straightforward. So I would like to see what this system offers as far as making a village interesting and part of the setting. All right. Roll a D12. Roll a D12. Why does this village exist? Because number three. Oh. It's a spot where refugees of a calamity settled. Yeah. This whole fucking campaign setting is a calamity. <laughs> Who runs it? Number four. A council of elders. Okay. Who's a significant local? Number 12. An important artisan. Okay. So this is... What do they make? So refugee village, there's a council of elders who run it. Mm -hmm. And one of the people important in this town is an artisan. It's an artisan who has unlocked the secrets of the bone technology. Converting bone into material technology. Cool. Like they have some sort maybe they could be refugees refugees from the pax and people don't know that of the pax osseus like yeah. as that whole structure is crumbling in on itself there are those that are like yeah i'm out you know they've they're they like i'm envisioning like a like the council of elders have like put their skull armor and their like horrible iconog like iconography from the pax away it's like buried somewhere and it's all in the basement under the inn. Right. Yeah. Behind the secret door. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. They have they have started over. You know, the Pax is is, is crumbling with from within. The warlords are fighting each other, and some of them have gotten out and decided to start over. And they are trying to eke out a more peaceful existence. This is so interesting now. <laughs> <laughs> Because what could the players discover while they're adventuring in this village? Yeah. The elders of this village and most of the people who live there are horrible people. Yeah. <laughs> who are just trying to start over. <laughs> yeah. just I just need a fresh start. Yeah. I'm a Morton Joe. And I mm -hmm. just, you know. Yeah. It, you could, I mean, I'm not recommending that gamers do this because like at the end of the day, you know, we gather around the table to, you know, drink some drinks and make some jokes and have some fun but you could really explore elements of like are bad people redeemable like do people deserve a second chance like what does that look like um how do you reconcile like what if these villages are like extremely helpful what if they yeah. devoted their life to like turning a new leaf and you discover the horrible shit that they used to do and they're like yeah that's a part of our past like we're 
just trying to do better now like is that acceptable like how do how do the player characters react and come to terms with that this, yeah this this is a fun question to explore <laughs> along the along our alignment episode ideas like yeah here's a moral conflict for you yes for sure uh current pressing problems 11 a curse or magical woe is vexing the people yeah nobody gets out of the packs <laughs> yes for sure there is a curse that's built into people from the packs what is it and how are they dealing with it is it as simple as like people from the crumbling empire come looking for them or is it that like their souls are signed in blood and there's it's it always comes due and they just have to keep dealing with it well i mean you could do the the folk horror there's a festival that we have to do at once a year oh yeah 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 <laughs> but I also think too, if we have this complication of the village and we want it to be a source of adventure, it needs to be something potentially solvable by the PCs. Okay. That, I mean, that can be done. They can be absolved for their sins by a neutral third party. Somebody not of the packs. I mean, yeah, the, the curse could be as simple as you have to be forgiven. Yeah. The secret ingredient was love. Yeah. <laughs> it's the horrific ritual instruments of torture in the inn's basement that we found along the way. Yeah. I mean, look, it's kind of cheesy, but I I'm into it. All right. Who's a local likely to interact with adventures? Number 12. The clan patriarch who doesn't want to use their own kin. <laughs> That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Especially what's an interesting thing this place can offer the heroes. Let's find out. With number one. An unusually large amount of saved coinage. Hmm. Okay. The spoils of conquest. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah weird i mean i I know these are coins but i've never seen so many different countries currency where did all these come from <laughs> mm -hmm. all right well what comes next jesse i think we have created enough now yeah i would say we have we could definitely start a campaign uh deliver a little brief of this scenario if i were to say what next step would be it would be to flesh out some of our other locations make another kingdom or two flesh out that cult in the shield hills mm -hmm. make them their own people maybe they're not actually a cult or well they are but you know like what's their nation or tribe situation like um but we've got plenty of hooks interesting places for adventure to happen and following mr crawford's guidelines that's all we need right right so for the purpose of this episode and the one that came before it job's done work complete <laughs> so we are going to uh for our next episode 
the cap on the fantasy portion. We are going to design some playable race options or at least some character options for our uh, player characters in these specific parts of our setting. And until then, when can our listeners, how can our listeners get in touch with us, Jesse? Well, you can email jauntymantis at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. You can tweet at me on X at the Wanty Mantis. Uh, and we're also on threads as the Jaunty Mantis. Yeah. Or you can tell me in person like my cousin did. Oh, yeah. My cousin listens to the show. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Maddie's cousin. Up- I found that over, found that out over, um, Thanksgiving. So, uh, yeah, he, uh, he got to Thanksgiving and he was like, yeah, one of your third, one of your three listeners. And I was like, really? Wow. I was overjoyed. So that's awesome. Yeah. It's fantastic. All right. Well, get out there and prostrate yourself beneath the gaze of the skull in the sky. That's right. Get out there and remember that that evil-looking skull in the sky is there to watch you forever. And uh, you may have the tattoos upon your scalp, but are you really sure you're one of the created? How could you tell? That's right. And it may only take a little bit of forgiveness in order for this reformed society of warlords and murderers to succeed. (laughs) Get out there and play some fucking games. Yes. (laughs) 